0: Dig a bit, a podcast for women who want to dig into the meat of God's Word for a bit. We are glad you have taken a few minutes out of your day to listen. Our host is Cindy Colley from thecolleyhouse.org. Now grab your Bible and let's dig in. Sometimes it's easier to understand a concept if we understand what that particular idea or concept is not. Let's rule out some things this morning about obedience, things that we might consider or think about as obedience that really are not obedience at all. First off, it's not obedient when we partially obey. We have to do all that God says to do, as we have noticed about Noah back in Genesis when we've noted the verse several times that says Noah did all that God commanded him. According to all that God commanded, so did Noah. Obedience has to be complete in order to be obedience at all. Think about 1 Samuel chapter 15. And this is, of course, you'll remember God's commandment to Saul in verse 3. Now go and smite Amalek, and utterly destroy all that they have and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. And Saul gathered the people together and numbered them, etc. God specifically listed all of the categories of people and animals that Saul was to destroy of Amalek. He said, You utterly destroy them all. He made that very clear we'll remember down in verse eight saul smote the amalekites that was obedience from Havilah to shur and he took agag the king of the amalekites alive and utterly destroyed all the people with the edge of the sword verse 9 but saul and the people spared agag and the best of the sheep and the oxen and the fatlings and the lambs and all that was good and would not utterly destroy them but everything that was vile and refuse they destroyed utterly so Saul here did some of what God said in a powerful way but he decided that it would be better if he took the king Agag and some of the best of the sheep and herds back home with him and you'll remember That God did not take very kindly to that obedience, which was really disobedience at all. Partial obedience then is not obedience at all. And Saul had all these reasons why he did that, because he he said, "I thought that it would be better to sacrifice these um, the best of the sheep and the oxen." And, and he explained that in verse 15. And Saul said, They have brought them from the Amalekites, for the people spared the best of the sheep and the oxen to sacrifice unto the Lord your God. And the rest we have utterly destroyed. That was Samuel's. That was Saul's explanation to, to Samuel. And you'll remember, though, that God's answer to that is in verse 22. Samuel said, Hath the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the lord behold to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. Partial obedience is not obedience at all. I can think of various characters who obeyed God partially. I'm thinking of Nadab and Abihu and Leviticus 10. Think of all the things they were doing right. They were offering the right sacrifices. They were offering them on the correct altar. They were wearing the right clothing as they sacrificed them. They had the right audience for their worship. They were doing so many things right but their partial obedience cost them their lives because they had that one thing wrong. They were offering a strange fire. Partial obedience then is not obedience at all. Have you ever thought about the fact that forced obedience is not obedience at all? If someone or some entity makes you do what God has told you to do, then that's not truly obedience. I think about Pharaoh and the um, occurrence of the plagues in Exodus seven in Exodus seven through twelve. I think those are the chapters when the plagues occurred. And you remember that God's directive to Pharaoh was, "Let my people go." That was a direct command given through Moses and Aaron to Pharaoh, "Let my people go." And you'll remember that those people finally did leave Egypt. Those people finally, at Pharaoh's behest in the very end, after the very last plague when the firstborn was killed in all of Egypt, he said, you get out of here. And then as a matter of fact, he made one last attempt to go and get them and keep them as he went to the Red Sea, the waters were parted, and they were walking across on dry land, and Pharaoh, a saying to do then, was drowned in the Red Sea. Now think about that. You know, Pharaoh finally did let the people go, as God had said. Was that obedience? We would all agree that that forced obedience was not obedience at all. It's not obedience when I can necessarily logic my way To how this is best it's not obedience when it's my will then and not God's will even though the two of them may be coinciding at that point it has to be that I obey because I reverence the sovereignty of God not because I look at what God says and I think oh yeah I think that'll work out for the best So obedience, when it's my will, is not obedience at all. I was thinking about, um, O Naaman and the leprosy. Remember, we talked about that very recently and how that he was commanded to go and dip in the Jordan seven times. And and he, he came out and said, behold, I thought... And then he went on to explain that you would ask me to do something great that you would ask me to do something showy that you would ask you would come out and hold up your hands and say you know I thought that this is what you would command me to do and I can't really logic my way through to dipping in the dirty old Jordan seven times he finally did obey but at that point he was, he was trying to logic his own way through. He was trying to, and I know that logic is not a verb, but we're going to use it that way here. He was trying to figure out how God's command could be his own will, and that is not obedience at all. Sometimes in the work that Glenn and I have done, we have um, noticed that people obey because they would like to retain the affection of family members maybe parents sometimes we have noticed that there are people who will become very interested in attending worship services for instance when it's time for them to be re-elected to a political office or they have some social interest in being there or Perhaps we have noticed uh, once upon a time a man was baptized into Christ even when he thought his marriage was going to end because of his previous adultery. Oh, I think if I'm baptized into Christ and obey, quote unquote, God in this way that my marriage will hold together. And so this, this man was baptized into Christ in order to try and hold his marriage together. So when we look at these examples um, I think about what Paul said about Demas. He said, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. There was a time when Demas was following Paul, when he was being faithful to, to Paul. But at the time of privation, at the time when he was going to have to sacrifice something, in 2 Timothy 4.10, Paul says, he has forsaken me, having loved this present world so we see here examples from our lives in 2017 and from scripture in which people quote unquote obeyed they actually carried out the practical command of God but the motive behind wasn't a motive of submission to the sovereignty of God so that obedience was not really obedience at all Before we leave the topic, though, let's go ahead and say that there are sometimes more than one motivation for, there can be more than one motivation for an act of obedience to God without that being sinful. I think about the motivations that have moved me in my lifetime to do what God's will was. I hope that first of all, it'll be love for God, and we love Him because He first loved us and because of that love for god we obey god but then jude tells us that some we save with fear pulling them out of the fire so there is a fear two different kinds of fear Uh, and uh, sometimes we read about fear and it's speaking of a deep respect for the sovereignty of god sometimes we read about fear as in jude and it is it it specifically says, "Some save with fear, pulling them out of the fire." So there is a fear, a healthy fear of eternal damnation that would motivate us to obey God. And then there is reverence for the the sovereignty of God. That kind of fear. There is trust in God. I think about Romans 8:28 and it says that all things will work together for good to those who love him and are the called according to his purpose. I tr- I look at Romans 8:28 and I trust that if I obey God things are going to ultimately work out for my benefit. That's not a wrong motivation for serving God. That is a motivate motivator there in Romans 8 28 a promise and if I throw my self into that trust that faith that God will always do what he says he will do then that's a motivator for my following God's way in my life I look at Matthew six thirty three in the same way Those who are seeking first his kingdom will have all the basic needs of this life provided. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things will be added to you. The motivator of the crown of life that's promised. All of the trust that I put in the promises of God are great motivators for obedience. Otherwise, why would we even have those promises in in the word of God? Heaven. Oh, that's a great motivator. The hope of heaven is a great motivator for obedience. Ultimately, I must believe though, with all of these motivators, I must believe that God created me, he sustains me, He sent his son to redeem me and thus he has the right to tell me what to do so even if those motivators become faint in my memory i'm not remembering right now the promises of god i'm not thinking about heaven as i should i'm not maybe um, into the word as i should be then get back into the word realizing the sovereignty of god that he has a right To tell me what to do because he's my creator because his ways are far above my ways his thoughts are far above my thoughts he has the right to tell me what to do and then he has given me his will for my life in his word and it is the ultimate authority for every decision I make partial obedience forced obedience obedience from based on worldly motivating forces none of those things are truly obedience to obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken to god than the fat of rams first samuel chapter 15 verse 22 hope you have a great day